I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Welcome back to Vet Sessions. My name is Tiffany Dursey and I will be your host today. I'm happy to have uh, Dr. Caitlin Grantenhouse, a veterinary nutritionist who works here at the Ontario Veterinary College Health Science Centre. She's here today to talk to us about raw food diets. But before we get started, Caitlin, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how it is you came to work here at OVC. Well, thank you very much, first of all, for having me here today. I'm very excited. Um, So my journey to get to where I am here at OVC, uh, started at OVC actually. So I'm an OVC grad. I graduated in 2014. So I was an Emerald Elephant. Yes. And you're one of our students. Yes. Yay. I was one of your students. <laughs> actually, I think my class was the first year to go through the PHC all the way oh, from beginning right. all the way till end. Oh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, so in vet school, I was initially thinking that I was interested in either zoo animals or, mm-hmm. or mixed animal practice. Um, I liked nutrition, but that wasn't really a hundred percent my focus at the beginning. So when I graduated, I got a job at a mixed animal practice uh, in Woodstock, Ontario and worked there for three years, uh, doing mostly dogs and cats, but also some dairy cow, small ruminant work. Um, And then was looking for a change and saw that there was uh, an opening for a residency in nutrition at the Ontario Veterinary College. So I applied and got that position. So that was, I think, in 2017. So that was a three-year residency combined with a doctor of veterinary science degree. Wow. Um, So it was kind of a combined clinical program as well as doing a research project, writing a thesis. Um, And then I finished that and was very lucky to get to stay on as assistant professor. So now I'm uh, the service chief for the clinical nutrition service. That's great. Um, I'm advising residents and doing a lot of nutrition teaching to the, the vet students here. Yeah, and I know you help us a lot because our, our students um, on our rotation here uh, meet with you um, often. So uh, during the rotation to mm-hmm. discuss nutritional cases. And so it's been very handy because a lot of times we plant questions with them. Yes, yes. I always <laughs> ask them, did you come with questions planted or do you have any of your own today? Yes. Yeah, that's no, great. But those sessions are they're really informal, which is great because yeah. the students get to ask about cases they've seen or about their own pets, um, cases that they saw, saw maybe on their externship in the summertime. Um, so it's a really good environment to kind of instill some of the nutrition knowledge that they would have learned in the past three years, but just bringing it to more of a case focus. Yeah. And nutrition is so important. We, you know, we always say that to nutrition, every pet, every time, and it's something that we teach the the students. And, you know, I remember uh, back as a child, you are what you eat mm-hmm. and uh, it really is just so important. You can do so much with nutrition. So I've learned so much with the students meeting with you and I'm excited today to talk about raw food diets, a pretty yeah. hot topic, I'd say. I would say too. And I think, I don't know if there's a study to look to see whether it's increased in the amount, but I just feel like from back when I was in vet school mm-hmm. to coming back to doing my nutrition residency, that few year gap, it does seem to me like we are seeing more pet owners that are choosing raw food. Um, so I think it is growing in popularity. Yeah, it seems that way. And I, and I feel, um, I mean, certainly with trends in nutrition, uh, you know, raw food definitely is one, grain-free, mm-hmm. you know, the list kind of goes on. Uh, but certainly I do see popping up even in the Guelph area here, uh, a lot of uh, pet food companies, uh, private businesses that are selling uh, raw food or, or yeah. frozen raw food and right. freeze-dried and this and that. So uh, yeah, we can get into that in a little bit. Um, so let's um, let's dive in. Um 
there's been a lot of misinformation about uh, raw food diets and whether they're beneficial, you know, for our pets. Um, where is the science on the subject and, and where should we start? Yeah, so I guess really there isn't a whole lot of science at the moment. So I think a lot of the evidence that pet owners will read are more like anecdotal evidence. So they've seen people posting on Facebook or other social media websites or blog posts. Um, but when we look at the actual literature to see what studies have been done, um, there hasn't really been a whole lot related to raw food. Um, probably the biggest uh, area has been looking at the safety of raw food uh, because okay. there's a human health risk with that. So looking at things like bacterial contamination. And so through those studies, we do know that raw meat does have a higher chance of being contaminated with harmful bacteria um, and not just the food itself but also the environment so there's a study that's looked at um, the environment of dogs that are fed raw versus dogs that were not fed raw and there is a higher percentage of bacteria in the environment so in the house of dogs hmm. that were fed raw food and so that evidence that maybe they're shedding that you know either from their mouths or um, in their feces or you know if they're eating their raw food and then playing with their toy afterwards um, or even from maybe not perfect hygiene in the kitchen um, so that's what the science says is that there's a higher chance of, of bacterial contamination. The true harm for that on the pet, you know, might depend on their immune system. But we also worry about not just the pets, but also the people that are in the house. Uh, but as far as health benefits, so a lot of owners are choosing to feed raw food because of um, purported health benefits like improved sure. GI function, health uh, of their skin and coat, um, better stools. Um, there's not any science that has really looked into that yet. Yeah, I have heard um, some of the, um, the the clients will suggest that there's um, less fecal output and mm -hmm. therefore it must be better absorbed and therefore it's a better food. Is there any information regarding that? Yeah, so I guess... So one of the tools that I really like to use is the fecal score chart um, right. to look to see like what is actually a normal bowel movement. Um, and so the, the scale that I use, one is these really hard um, like concentrated pellets, like almost like bunny poop. And then seven right. is your diarrhea. Um, and so a lot of the owners that are feeding raw are saying that their pets are having that one on that scale where they're really, you know, dehydrated little pellets. Mm -hmm. um, but poop is a sign of health, right? Of your, of your sure. gut, right? And so we do want to see normal, healthy stools and those really hard concentrated um, pellets are not a sign of a healthy GI system. Sure. And, and then uh, particularly if you're looking at dogs, dogs are omnivores, right? right. So then there's always this conversation about, um, you know, and, and again, with raw food diets, are you feeding just meat? Are you feeding meat and bones? Are you feeding mm -hmm. meat and bones and vegetables? Or what does that mean, I guess? Right. And it can mean so many different things. And so I think mm -hmm. like from a veterinary perspective, if we do have clients that are feeding raw, it's really important to ask some more questions to have an understanding of what type of raw food are they feeding, right? Are they going right. to the pet store and buying prepackaged frozen patties or are they going to the butcher and buying raw meat? Um, are they adding bones in? Because uh, then we have a risk of potential foreign bodies, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, are they feeding consistently the same thing or are they mixing it up a lot? So I think asking some questions to have an understanding of 
what exactly the raw food is that they're feeding. Sure. And I guess questions that, you know, about like, you know, why, why are you choosing that or what led you to choose right. that? And, and, you know, and I totally understand, I mean, commercial diets, there's a place for commercial diets. And, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that, um, you know, it's available, um, it's balanced nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times we choose commercial diets because, um, you know, and I don't mean to say that it's a lazy, you know, um, reason to, to pick that kind of nutrition, but the reality is, is that it's balanced and it's available. Um, and then, you know, we know it's good quality food, right. it's safe. And so it's looking at, you know, well, why is this client picking that? And yeah. my experience sometimes is because the commercial diets have failed or there's, you know, like you said, there's anecdotal information from friends, family, whatever, um, that the raw food diet must be better. Right. So, yeah. Um, so again, getting um, back to science, is there any, any studies about, um, are there any benefits of, of feeding raw? I mean, I guess so. So the drawback would be potentially that it's, uh, you know, is it balanced? Okay. So mm-hmm. well, that's a good question. Um, but then also food safety, but do yeah. we, do we know, can they absorb raw meat, raw beef, raw fish, raw, whatever? Yeah. I don't think we have a concrete answer on mm. that enough to be able to say that yes, they can. Um, so I think there's definitely still room for studies to be done. And I think, you know, if, pet owners are continu- are going to continue to choose to feed raw food, then maybe we do need to have some of these studies. Um, but yeah, at this point, I don't think we have enough to say that. Sure. So, so with regards to, you know, a client comes in and says, Hey, I'm feeding my dog a raw food diet. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you suggest a veterinary um, medical staff? Um, how, how should they best approach that conversation? Right. Well, I think actually what you said a couple minutes ago about asking why they've made that decision. So mm-hmm. trying to come across in a non, non-judgmental way, because I think a lot of pet owners are used to being told that it's not the best choice, especially right. when they go to the vet clinic. So if they if they already have that guard up, then they may not be willing to disclose a lot of information, which as a veterinarian is, we need that information in order to do a proper assessment and make recommendations. Um, So I think trying to get more information in a non-judgmental way. So asking questions like, you know, what are your motivations for feeding raw? Um, What's your experience with feeding raw? How long have you been doing this for? What led you to this decision? Uh, What benefits have you noticed in your pet since you've made that switch? Just to get an understanding of, you know, how long they've been doing this for and what their personal perspective is and maybe you know what have you read about raw food to kind of get a sense on where their education is with what kind of research they've done and then from that information that they can give us to kind of identify some areas that might be talking points. Uh, and I, it, that's great advice because I do find, you know, again, um, this does seem to be a contentious issue. The, you know, a lot of people that feed raw food diets um, come into the clinic and potentially feel um, that they know that most veterinarians aren't uh, very supportive of this, mm-hmm. um, whether again, it's food safety or, um, you know, it's not balanced or that kind of thing. So it's always a, um, a difficult conversation, mm-hmm. but but obviously impacts the, the health um, of the pet. So so looking for some, some shared, um, you know, ideas or goals so that, you know, there's a right starting place. Um, so, um, so that we've talked about a little bit about the risks of raw food diets. Um, does it matter if the raw food diet is uh, fresh, raw, frozen, raw, or freeze dried? Because I know that sometimes clients come in and say, well, it's freeze dried or it's frozen. So some of the bacteria is killed, so it must be safer. Is there any information on that? So from what I've read and my understanding is that the risk is still there, whether it's freeze dried versus if it's raw. Um, and so I think it really does depend on where it's being purchased from and the quality control of the company. So if it is one of those commercial raw food products or a freeze dried product, you know, maybe thinking about asking the company what their protocol is. Do they do any testing on the finished product to look for any bacterial contamination? Um, 
whereas if owners are buying just raw meat from the grocery store, then maybe we don't have as much information about the testing that's being done because the butcher's selling it, assuming that you're going to go home and cook it for yourself, right? Correct. Um, So so yeah, with the freeze drying, there's still a risk of bacterial contamination because it's not being cooked at the proper temperature for the correct amount of time. And don't ask me the exact numbers, but (laughs) it has to be cooked at a certain temperature for a certain amount of time in order to kill off that bacteria. So the freeze drying process just doesn't do that. And actually a lot of owners will be feeding freeze dried treats and not realize that those are actually still technically raw. Um, That's and a good so point. I think it just depends on the risk also. So, you know, if it's a family that has a lot of small children or some immunocompromised people, then maybe that's a talking point to say, well, you know, there might be some better treat options or food options that you can use that aren't, that aren't so risky. Sure. I never thought about the treats because I have seen the freeze dried turkey or freeze dried whatever yeah. um, treats. And yeah. so, you know, thinking that, okay, that's, you know, that sounds kind of yummy or yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, interesting. Now, um, as I recall from vet school, there's the AFCO statement, which is the American Association of Feed Control Officials. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of like the minimum nutritional um, uh, guidelines, I suppose. Would that be best? Is there anything? Sort of. Yeah. yeah. So, so AFCO um, okay. is an organization that they come together and have requirements for healthy dogs at maintenance, growing puppies, and then the same for cats as well. Um, and so pet food companies in Canada can choose to formulate two AFCO requirements and then they can have that nutritional adequacy claim on the label. Okay. Um, and so that claim just means that that company has formulated to meet AFCO's adult maintenance requirements or growth if it's a if it's a puppy food okay and so with raw food diets my understanding is like for the commercial ones that there's not anything in canada that's afco not that i know of so i'm actually doing a project on raw commercial raw food right now Um, and so we are looking at the labels of a lot of the ones that are kind of sold in this area okay there are a few actually now that do have an afco statement but most of them don't so that would be one thing that if i was having a conversation with an owner um, and they were telling me about their experiences experiences with raw and maybe they were already feeding a commercial raw food mm-hmm. I could maybe have an, an investigation of the label to see does it have this AFCO claim and if not maybe I could guide them to ones that do okay. and make it clear I'm not supportive of feeding a raw food diet but, but if, if you're this going is the to. choice that you're going to make here's maybe some ways that we can do this a little bit more safely. Okay. And then that sort of helps um, guide in so far as saying that it's a little bit more balanced. Is that correct or not necessarily? So if it has that AFCO statement, what that means is that it has all of this essential nutrients in the correct proportion. So that's what complete and balanced means. Got it. So if it doesn't say that, we don't have as much confidence that that diet is going to meet all of the requirements that the dog has. Um, So dogs have requirements for protein and amino acids, which they'll get from their raw food, but they also have requirements for fatty acids, for vitamins and for minerals. And so if we're not feeding a food that has those things supplemented into them, um, then they're going to be deficient in a lot of those nutrients. Right. Okay. So looking for an AFCO statement might be an option. Now, what about um, insofar as directing towards, you know, if somebody wanted to home cook, um, do you advise to say, well, at at least, you know, could you cook it or, um, and I don't know if that would be the same if you purchased a commercial raw food patty that has an AFCO statement. Do you cook it? I don't know. Maybe it's more about whole foods. I mean, they could, they could maybe like quickly cook the, like if it was a patty, then they could cook it. I don't know, like a burger, but the problem is if it did have that AFCO statement, then it's as as it appears in the package. And Got so it. cooking might 
affect the nutrient composition of that food. Okay. Um, so that would be something to consider. Yeah. But for the homemade diets, for sure, that's what I do. I'll talk to them about, would you at least, would you cook it? Um, and if not, then at least if we're formulating a recipe, then at least I can make sure it's complete and balanced. So with the commercial foods, they can look at the label to see if it has that AFCO statement. If it's a homemade diet, it needs to be following a recipe that's been formulated that uses a vitamin and mineral supplement. And usually from what I've seen, that's the part that's missing. Um, And so that's where, you know, they can come see a veterinary nutritionist or they can access um, other resources to get a recipe that's balanced that includes a vitamin and mineral supplement. And then they could technically follow the recipe that's meant to be cooked and then just choose to not cook it if they wanted to keep doing the raw feeding. But then at least we would know that the vitamin and minerals were in there. Okay. Um, And certainly for people who are interested, um, the Ontario Veterinary College um, Nutrition has a service, which you're obviously chief of service. And so you provide um, clinical guidance um, to people. You take appointments, um, um, people come with their pets and then they can say, okay, I, you know, my pet is this age and has these conditions and then you can kind of formulate something. So, so often I would assume that cooked potentially at this point would be a safer option because we just don't know with raw, uh, with the food safety. Right. Interesting. Um, um, so, uh, so are there, would there be any benefits, do you know, of, of feeding a rock? Can you think of any, we've talked about sort of the negative sides of it, but I, I'm trying, you know, I guess in my experience, it seems that people seem to pick the raw foods, um, sometimes because of, um, allergies. Yeah. So they find that, you know, they're allergic to something in, you know, uh, a commercial pet food, um, or, you know, again, you said, you know, um, you know, Facebook and trends and that kind of thing. But, um, but often, um, in my experience is because they potentially see that it might be better from a dermatological perspective right. for allergies or, you know, GI issues and that kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the most common kind of presenting complaint, I think, with the pets that are being fed raw food is right. for some type of dermatological reason and the raw food seems to improve things. So in those cases, sometimes asking some more questions to see what they were doing before and then what they've changed. Um, because if if it was a dog that was fed only ever commercial food and then now they're doing homemade raw is it the fact that it's raw or are they now feeding novel ingredients or is the digestibility different or is the nutrient profile completely different? You know, maybe they've also added in some fish oil and then maybe it's the omega-3s that are helping our our skin and coat. Um, So I think having a little bit more of a look to see what changes were made um, and not necessarily just being that it's raw food. Mm -hmm. And do you find um, when you're when you're talking to people um, and you're suggesting, you know, hey, the raw food diet, you know, may not be the best. um, Do you find that people are open to to alternatives as in so far as like commercial pet foods and um, uh, home cooked diets? Or do you feel that right away they sort of put a stop up and say, no, I I, I, I'm raw food is where it's at. Yeah, kind of a mixture. I think there's definitely the people that are like dead set on feeding raw, no Mm -hmm. matter what you say, they're, they're not going to change their minds. And so I think that is a spot where you have to decide where you're going to kind of draw your own personal Mm -hmm. line of what you're comfortable with versus not. And so where I've kind of decided is kind of like what I was saying about, can we do it a little bit safer? You know, can we make sure it's balanced or make sure that it's got an AFCO statement? Um, being more careful about hygiene in the kitchen, identifying if there's high risk individuals and then maybe being more careful. Uh, But there are all, sorry, there are also owners that are willing to listen and maybe it's um, owners that 
didn't really want to do raw in the first place, but they mm-hmm. were advised to by somebody else, like maybe a breeder um, or somebody that they work with or, um, yeah, and another person in their community has suggested to feed raw and they did it because they thought it was what's best for their pet. And then they can come and meet with me or with another member of our team or with, a, with their mm-hmm. veterinarian and learn that actually this is maybe not the best choice. Um, and then those people might be more willing to, to listen and to make a change. So much of veterinary medicine is communications, yeah. isn't it? It's try, yeah. trying to listen and, and, you know, trying to deal with our own preconceived, you know, thoughts about, you know, various things and trying to figure out perspectives of, you know, where clients are coming from. And I find yeah. definitely with nutrition, um, not just raw food diets, but there's so many um, preconceived, you know, ideas and um, cultural um, issues right. of surrounding food or, you know, um, love of food, hate of certain foods um, that certainly plays into veterinary medicine. So it can be very challenging, these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've tried to learn to not make any assumptions right off the right. bat, right? To just go in with an open mind and to ask questions because you don't know what client it's going to be. Um, and I've had a few situations where I've, you know, read through the diet history and assumed that this is an owner that's dead set on raw. And then I get into the room and start talking and learn that they hate feeding the raw food. They mm. never wanted to do this, but the breeder told them that this was the best thing. And so right. that's what they've been doing. And they're thrilled to hear that they can now cook the food. Um, so you just never know what what story you're going to get told. Sure, absolutely. Um, so tell me one thing that I, I have heard before is that some people... Um, Um, ask are grain-free diets the same as raw food diets and I think the reason why that comes up is that um, a few years back and you can correct me on the information um, there was some concern about grain certain grain-free diets and um, some associated side effects from the grain-free diets so um, are raw food diets grain-free they can be yeah so grain-free essentially means that the diet is not containing any grains Right. Um, and so if a raw food diet is only the raw meat, then it's a grain-free diet. Um, but if the owner is also adding in some carbohydrates um, that are grains, then it's not a grain-free diet. So some of the side effects, as I recall, with the grain-free diets was some concern about heart heart disease. Um, um, it, so potentially, would that be a risk then if you had a dog that was only on bones and meat? I mean, we kind of established that that may, they, that may not be the best nutritionally. Right. Um, is there any evidence to suggest that that would cause any heart disease side effects or is that potentially That's a really good question and I think with the grain free it's still something that we're talking about but right. we don't really have yet yeah. a concrete answer on what the true cause is with that mm-hmm. so there were associations with dogs that were being diagnosed with dilated cardiomyopathy or DCM right. and a lot of them seem to be fed grain-free diets. And so there was kind of a quick jump to, oh, grain-free diets must be causing this. But um, since then, we've not really proven that. And it's I think there's still some studies that are in the works to look to see if we can find something there. Right. Um, but I think for the raw food in particular, it's not just that they're not including grains, right? They're also just not balanced. They're not including all of the essential nutrients. So if we think about nutrients that are important for certain things, like for heart health, um, sure, a a raw diet could cause problems if it's not complete and balanced because all those nutrients have a role to play. Um, I think the biggest uh, clinical presentation, I guess, that we see as a side effect for pets that are fed, not just raw, but also unbalanced homemade diets, um, are more skeletal deformities. Okay. Um, so calcium and phosphorus are very important minerals. Um, and a lot of the homemade or raw food diets are deficient in those if a mineral supplement is not included. Um, so then you end up with puppies that are growing, that are being fed an unbalanced diet, not getting the calcium, phosphorus or vitamin D, which is also important for okay. skeletal formation. 
um, and end up with nutritional secondary hyperparathyroidism or essentially rickets where their bones just are not mineralizing properly. So I think it is important to educate owners that there are risks Risks. involved um, and maybe they don't see that in their own pet, but it really depends on how risk averse they want to be. Sure. And, and certainly, as you suggested, it's really about having a balanced diet. So yeah. um, so certainly food safety is, is big, you know, yeah. um, but but also, you know, again, at the end of the day, it has to be balanced and, and it's making people understand that the requirements for dogs and cats are very different than people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, um, I recall that there's something called a barf diet. Yeah. Do you know much about that? So I think barf was bones, bones and, and raw, raw food. food. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I, I don't know if they, again they were trying to get around the the calcium by feeding bones, but I kind of agree with you with the bones. It, it kind of makes me a bit scared that you'd get perforations, and yeah. um, I don't know if they're grinding up bones or what's happening here. I mean, I guess I I picture this you know ch- chicken drumstick or turkey drumstick yeah. in a blender, and then you're feeding it to your dog, and it sounds you know horrifying, but yeah. Um, well, and I think yeah. owners don't necessarily know what they should be doing, right? Like they sure. just read, oh, include bones. And so, yeah, like you said, is that chicken bones? Is that, you know, yeah. bone from a pet store? Is that ground up bone? Like it could it's be so marrow. many different yeah, things, sure. right? Sure. And then the nutrient availability and that is, you know, we don't know for every single option that they're potentially feeding. Sure. And, and I guess, again, this gets back to, you know, the importance of veterinary education and how it's important for um, for veterinarians, you know, our veterinary students um, to talk to people about, you know, nutrition every pet every time and mm-hmm. inquire about, you know, well, you know, what are you feeding? And again, not just being judgmental, but saying, you know, well, why are you choosing that? And, you know, can we give, be, provide you some, you know, some information and, you know, where's the science behind some of this? And again, well-balanced right. is so important. Right. And I like what you just said there too about, can we provide you with some information? So asking mm-hmm. the owner's permission, right? Collecting sure. that information and then saying, well, would you be open to a conversation about raw? Like, would it be yeah. okay if I shared with you some of the risks that we know? Sure. Um, and then that way the owner has to say yes. And then they might be more willing to, to listen if they've kind of accepted or agreed to that conversation. Yeah, I think it's always a, a scary um, thing for, for students and, and, and for, you know, seasoned veterinarians like myself, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, again, I might have uh, some thoughts in my head and, um, you know, the appointment time, you've got a half an hour yeah. and you're trying to, you know, you've got a new puppy and you're trying to, you know, do a physical exam and find out, you know, how the behavior is going and training and mm-hmm. potty training, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just such a jam-packed appointment, you know, right. and it's and nutrition. And so um, what we've tried to do is try to um, tease out the nutrition and um, try to send supplementary information information and, and book separate appointments and, Great, and, and yeah. then refer to you yeah. <laughs> as well, which is really helpful. But I think people are interested in nutrition. I mean, I think everybody they definitely are. Like yeah. we get emails all the time for people that want to come and schedule an appointment. And so I think, yeah, yeah pet owners want to talk about it. So I think if veterinarians are more yeah. comfortable and yeah, like you said, in your appointment, you've got so many things to cover. So consider offering it as a separate visit that they've got to come in for and only talk about the food or if you have resources that you can send home to save some of that communication time. Mm -hmm. Now um, with that in mind, um, can you think of any resources that you like to share? Because I feel like also you have your clinical nutrition service and I think you have an Instagram is that right? Yeah, I'm not super involved with the social okay. media, but yes, there is. There is a. Yeah. I think our research team has has social media. Okay. Um, I like the posts, but don't 
I'm not yeah. involved with posting of anything because I don't know how to do that. That's okay. Um, can you think of any good resources yeah. for people? Like we often use um, the LifeLearn articles and we'll send okay. those. Um, is there any specific ones that so you would like to guide us to? one that I really like now. So I'm part of a group called the CAVN, which is the C-A-V-N. Canadian Academy of Veterinary Nutrition. Okay. I'm one of the founding members. Wonderful. Um, but so we are a group of uh, nutrition veterinarians and technicians and residents that love nutrition. And so our, our goal and mission is really to just advocate advocate for uh, veterinary nutrition education across Canada. And so mm-hmm. um, we do things like webinars, um, but we also worked on a raw infographic. Oh, okay. And so I, I can't recall if it's ready to share at this moment, but it is Soon. like coming. Okay. Um, and so we wanted to kind of p- publish a position statement on okay. raw feeding. And the initial drafts were kind of the same as a lot of the other things that you read out there about all the risks. Um, and so we kind of had a second look and said, you know, is this really giving anything new? Mm-hmm. And so we decided to take a different approach and it was more just focusing on educating owners that are already feeding raw and how they can do it a little bit more safely, some considerations that they should think about. And so I really like that one because it's mm-hmm. it's less... I think it's it judgmental. comes across less judgmental. Yeah. Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, when that was, is ready to share, I'll make sure I, I send that to you so you've got it. Great. And um, so it's C-A-V-N. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And is there, do you know the website or? We can look it up. We so can look can, it up. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, um, but that's really great. I mean, I think resources like that are so important mm-hmm. and it sounds like a great group because I feel like it, there's so many different topics that you can yeah. you can share. Yeah. Um, so with regards to raw, can you think of anything else we haven't touched on? So I, I like the the CVN. I like the, um, the infographic. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah. that would be interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, I think we covered all of the things that I like get asked a lot you know about mm-hmm. just the safety and the the nutritional balancing um the communication barriers i think that's a big thing i think we can we all know what the risks are but then it's taking that and then communicating it in a way that an owner is gonna be receptive to listening to absolutely and then maybe we'll have you back sometime to talk about grain-free diets because oh, i sure. feel like that's a whole different kettle that of is fish a whole different yeah <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, Caitlin, it's been so wonderful to have you here today. I really like your approach. I like that you're very approachable insofar as nutrition. Um, and I think this will be wonderful um, advice for our students, our staff um, to open. And I like the word open, open conversation about, you know, why you're feeding something and, you know, and, and what can we do to make it even even better. And again, I think education is so important. And I know you're so passionate about that. Um, so it's been really great. Thank you for coming today on Vet Sessions. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So to our listens, uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to email us at vetsessions at hotmail.com. And you can also check us on uh, check check us out on Instagram at vet sessions. Thanks and we'll see you again.